Hey guys, before we get started, I have a little secret for you. Come here. Did you know that we are on YouTube? That is right. You can watch these interviews live, uncut, by going to youtube.com forward slash Heather Parody. That is P-A-R-A-D-Y. I promise you it's another level watching these on YouTube. So again, find us over there by searching for Heather Parody or Unconventional Leaders. And make sure you hit that subscribe button. It's a two-way street. I think you have to know where your weaknesses are and ask for help with the people in your life. And also, if you have a strength, like you are in a way kind of denying people that if you're if you're taking a step back and you're living in anxiety and fear. I was born with several palsy. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. My friends, welcome to today's episode of Fidget Friday. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host, your overly caffeinated host. Hope you're doing well, y'all. Listen, I am doing something a little bit different today, something a little unconventional. Normally on Fridays, it's me and you for a minute where I just share things that are making me fidget squirm in my own unconventional journey. However, there's something that's come up. Are you ready? Listen to this. Have you ever felt this way? Ever heard this? I don't know what to do. I want to make such a big impact. I have so many ideas. I have notebooks full of ideas. But yet... I don't know what to do. I have heard that so many times I could hit somebody's mama. And listen, we overcomplicate making an impact. We overcomplicate making a difference in this world. What it entails is asking yourself, what can I do right now? What is in my hand? How can I be faithful with the tools that I have? I wanted to do something a little bit different today because, one, this is an important conversation to have about what do I do next, and second, I wanted to share with you a really powerful story. It's super short, like less than 15 minutes. Hang in there, but listen to this guy, Rob Brookshire, out in Atlanta, was just an average dude. Well, an average artist, that is. He was traveling the country on a tour as a musician and a sound engineer when the coronavirus hit. What up, coronavirus? And if you are listening to this a few years from now and you don't remember, well, let me remind you, (laughs) we're all stuck in our homes. And what does that mean for artists and creatives? That means a lot of them who are living gig to gig immediately have their income shut off. So Rob Brookshire, who again is an artist himself, instead of just saying, well, this sucks, he felt called to do something about it. And today I'm going to share with you his story of how he and his team at this point have raised over $20,000 with their organization, the Atlanta Artist Relief Fund, and they have now delivered hundreds of meals to artists around the Atlanta area. Now, there's two things with this. Number one, donate to this cause. Give $10, give $5, give a lot of dollars, whatever it is. I'm so impressed with this team and what they've been able to create. So there's that piece that will be linked in the show notes. And the second bit is I really want you to listen to how his thought process went about with creating this. He didn't set off to raise $20,000. He set off to raise $2,000. He didn't set off to help hundreds of people. He set off to help that one person. 
And I think as leaders, when we get in that overwhelmed space, if I have all these ideas and all these different ways that I want to impact, the way we start impacting is starting very, very small and being faithful with that. So what can you do today to help someone else? I love that Rob continually mentions in this leading with empathy, lead with empathy, which requires us to sometimes take all of our crazy ideas on a back seat and just think practically for a moment and trust that those ideas will come to pass when we're faithful with what's in our hand. Okay, I could... Y'all know I could go on a rampage about this, but listen, let's just listen to Rob Brookshire's story. Again, check out Artist Relief Fund that is linked in the show notes. And I hope this inspires you today. Love you in your corner. Let's get into this, y'all. Before all this craziness broke out, what were you up to in the world? So uh, by trade, I'm a sound designer and composer and sound engineer. So I was out with a national tour of a show called Million Dollar Quartet, which um, tells the story of a day in 1956 when Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, and a few other folks came together to record in Sun Studios in Memphis. So I was out national tour with that for the past uh, three months. And then um, this hit. And of course, uh, any kind of touring ended. Um, now a whole bunch of us in the entertainment industry are trying to figure out what the next steps will be. Uh, what you guys have done with the Atlanta Artists Relief Fund is next level. It's so cool. And we're going to focus on that today. But I have to ask you just a little bit about your own artistic journey. You said yeah. you're a composer, and what was the other term? A uh, sound designer. What is that? So a sound designer for film, I think, is probably where people have the most touch points. Film, you would have any sort of sound that is on, on the screen will be designed by someone, say, even as low as a footstep. They're literally creating it somewhere in a room somewhere. Um, I do mostly live sound and for theater. And for theater, what it is is, is kind of reinforcing thematic beats and you know, if there's ever a point in between a scene transition, I'm creating that music or finding it. For big musicals, it's also putting a microphone on every single person and then mixing it to the way that sounds really pleasurable to people's ears in the audience. So where where in your life did you just be like, man, I love this. This is what I want to do. What a, what an interesting, like I love, all, I love all these artistic jobs because you don't ever think about like, right. steps and all that. So you don't think about that, but yeah, you would need it. So where did that kind of intersect in your life? Yeah, well, they say, you know, specifically with sound, they say the best job is one that you don't notice it, right? That's a funny thing because we spend a lot of time making sure that it's transparent and that you don't notice that we are amplifying things. Um, I was a musician by trade. I grew up, um, my uh, grandmother was an organist for a Presbyterian church and she taught me to play piano. And then from there out, I learned guitar and a few other instruments. And that's kind of where I landed in college. Transitioning that into how can I make a living out of this? I kind of found an avenue that I really loved and it's an endless challenge, <laughs> you know, because every night's different, right? In front of an right. audience of 3,000 people, you know, things go wrong and things change. And I love the challenge. So that's, that's cool. where I've, yeah, I've been doing that for about, about a decade now. Now, are you yeah. from Atlanta? Uh, I am. I'm from three, two to three hours north of here up in the mountains. I'm right at the base of the Appalachians. Um, I grew up in a small town called Clearmont, which is up uh, near Helen. I don't know if you've been there. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's a, a Bavarian town, but it, um, up in the mountains. So, and then moved to Atlanta after college. Before uh, I, I teasing, call it the apocalypse, all this crazy <laughs> stuff happens. Before all that, what was like kind of like the life of an artist like in Atlanta? So in Atlanta, when I was here, I would be stacking up tech weeks one after the other. So we call it tech week, which is the week before a show opens where we um, basically all sit down and say, what is the show about? How are we going to reinforce it to tell the story in the best way we can? Um, so that means we're adding in lights, we're adding in sound, costumes, the whole nine yards all comes together for one week. For a lot of these productions, they're pretty elaborate. So that week is a crunch time. So you're working 12 hour days to make sure that comes together. So um, my life in Atlanta when I wasn't on tour would be doing shows like that um, at a lot of theaters around town. Then all this stuff happens. Yeah, then all this happens. It's put to a stop. And, um, you know, being an artist, being a creative is already a little bit of a risky uh, jump. I mean, obviously worth it. It's awesome, but it is risky. 
and then you pile on, you know, like a pandemic, mm-hmm. what, what do you, what do you do in response? So, uh, I just, I did what all that I knew how to do was just this, um, leap to action. I knew that people were going to be hurt. And I knew that I had a level of financial security coming out of a tour. Um, luckily, I had that money saved up. So I knew that I was going to be okay for at least a month or two. But I knew a lot of folks were paycheck to paycheck, gig to gig, which is just the reality. Like you're saying, it's a, it's a scary thing. And you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that when they go home after work, what are they doing? They're watching Netflix or they're watching HBO or something like that. Those are all artists. So I think we have a disconnect in our head between those people and the people in your own community who are all part of the same ecosystem, right? So I, I jumped to action and, and got some friends of mine and said, like, we're going to have to need, need people are going to need food. They're going to need help to get through this, um, especially because a lot of them are already struggling already, you know. So what did that look like for you? So um, I started three days after I got off tour. Um, I started a GoFundMe page um, with a $2,000 goal that I thought was at the moment. I was like, man, I, I hope we can make that. That has mushroomed over the last month. We've raised over $17,000 now from over 200 donors. Um, and we've delivered food to over 100 people. We basically now have a network of about um, 10 of our core, 10 core volunteer members in our core team, and then 60 to 70 delivery drivers, et cetera, who are engaged on a daily basis. So mm. it's been a wild ride. I never expected to blow up like this, but that just shows you the need, you know? Now, have you ever led anything like this before? Nothing to this scale, no. I, you know, I, I was used to leading a crew because when I'm on tour, basically what happens is um, I would be kind of the crew head for the sound department and I'd have locals who would, I'd have to tell them how we wanted the show, how we wanted to load in and out. So I was used to leading people to a certain degree, but nothing to this scale where you're having, you're making pretty big decisions at this point, you know, about like how, how we determine who gets relief, how, what's the best way to spend this money? Because now we have a commitment to our donors to make sure that we're spending the money equitably and making sure that it's going where it you know, where they think it's going. Learning how to be as transparent as possible and just lead with empathy has been yeah. a pretty good journey. Now, one of the one of the things that can keep a lot of people back from stepping in and doing what they feel called to do or moved to do is just what you alluded to of like, what if I don't know like how to do it well? And so there's like that knowledge gap that just kind of keeps people paralyzed because when you're doing something awesome, it's also scary as hell. And like you said, it, it could fall apart. So Kind of how did you reconcile with that and go ahead and take the leap anyway, even though you've never really done anything like this? I just had to have faith that there were going to be people who are smarter than me. And that's kind of something I've been working on in my day job too, is just accepting that like, hey, there's going to be times that I've, I think it, I've found that it's easier to say, hey, I don't know this, where this is a skill gap, a knowledge gap that I have. How can you help me out here? I feel like if you walk into a room and act like you know everything that you're doing, people are going to be able to tell that. So I was just open and honest with everyone that I brought and saying like, hey, this is not my, my expertise. You know, this is not my forte. Please help me however I can. And leaning on my team has just been incredible. You know, I have friends who I never even knew had these skills that came out of the woodworks to do really incredible things organizationally and strategically. So it's pretty awesome. To, and how are you getting the message out there? So we have a big Facebook group, um, which has over 2,700 people as of today that, you know, within the first three to five days, we had over a thousand people join a mixture of artists and patrons and just donors in general. So that's our main method we get out. We also have a website that we push out. Um, and at the moment, we're getting out via GoFundMe too with our updates. Um, basically, every GoFundMe update we have gets shared by about 50 people. And then that kind of multiplies out. So, you know, I feel like we were doing a pretty good job. That's something we really are trying to touch on is making sure that we're reaching as many people as we can. From here, I mean, you, you surpassed the $2,000 goal. 
how are, how are you finding these artists? Um, like where, where is the money going to exactly? Like how, how do you do that? Yeah. So the basic process is um, on our website. It's pretty simple. We have forms that you can either sign up to volunteer to donate or to um, get aid for yourself. Our primary mission is delivering home cooked meals um, free of charge to anyone, any artists who are helping. I've had in the past had meal trains be very successful. And that was where we, we said, you know, if we were giving direct financial assistance, the money would be gone in like a day versus this is something that we can do if we're cooking economically at, at a larger scale we can send people a tray that is enough food for a week which really helps out and we've had people saying like you know i didn't necessarily feel like i needed food but not having to worry about food for a week let me stretch my dollar and stretch my budget and pay my rent so that's kind of where we've the angle that we've gone at as a primary mission um We've also started a side group. Another pillar of it is also just social interaction and engagement for people who are maybe struggling. You know, it's a lonely time for a lot of people. A lot of people are in their house alone, which I'm lucky to have, you know, um, my girlfriend and other friends here that I'm quarantining with. I can only imagine how lonely it would be to be doing this alone. It's already a scary time with, with a support group. So that's kind of where we've landed too, is calling one-on-one FaceTimes with people who just need to check in. Like, so we've got a whole group that check in with people who've requested uh, isolation relief. And every morning we check in, send them a text message and say, hey, how are you doing? What's your day going like, you know? How, how has this changed you? How have you changed over the past few weeks? I have definitely had to work on making sure that my self-care routines are in order so that I can still be in a good place to lead with empathy. Um, it gets really tough when you personally are anxious and overwhelmed and learning how to take a step back and saying like, one of our colleagues on our team, Jen, has a great, she's had CEO training. And so she's, one of the things she said is like, are we, is it, are we leading with a reaction or with a response? We don't want to be reactionary necessarily. We want to have, take a second to, you know, really have a craft a response that will hold up to the test of time versus like, your instinct might be to help every single person you can with, because we're empathetic people. You know, we just want to help everybody, but you kind of have to take a step back and say like kind of teaching a fisherman to fish, like what's the best way that we can help the most people possible. So that's kind of where we land is how can we do the most good for the most people possible. I love that. I would love to kind of talk a little bit about just uh, creatives in general and artists. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of creatives who listen to our show. And it was interesting. The more I've started studying, making an impact in the world and leadership, I mean, there's a there's a huge component of creativity in that and what comes from from art. I mean, if you really want to move people, art is the way to do it. Yeah, story, right. story is the way to do it. Share just a little bit with, with those who might not be in this industry specifically about uh, what it means to be an artist, how it impacts people's lives and why this is important to hang on to during this time and not give up and be like, well, I guess I shouldn't be doing this with my life. I need to go find something else to do. Well, so I can start by saying I could talk about the artistic process for days. And I, I think there's a lot of room for contention there because everyone has their own artistic process, if you will. Right. But I think a lot of people fail to realize that the even if you're a brick and mortar kind of financial type person, um, the arts contribute billions of dollars to our economy. So this being gone um, has a rippling effect on lots of local businesses that surround them. So, you know, you're not only going to the theater, you're going to go get a drink or a meal beforehand at the local place around the street afterwards you're going out there's a whole rippling effect that i think is dangerous to think about what could happen if we lose these theaters and what could happen if we lose these arts organizations you know because it is all part of an intricate network of what people do for fun as far as my artistic process um i i think it's all about connection and empathy and we've been telling stories for as long as we've been thought you know capable humans i mean it's thousands of years at this point and that's of course evolved to where now we consume most of it on a tv 
it's really cool to be part of that lineage, right? Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you want artists to know right now during this really hard time? As far as our group is concerned, that we're here for you and that we are here to help. That's not even, and there shouldn't be any shame or stigma about it. Like if you need help, please come to us. Like we have more than enough food. Like we've had this amazing response and now we just have to get these meals out because we're cooking them and someone has to take them. I think what we're hoping to get at right now is that this isn't only for starving artists to use that term. I hate that term, but it, it is for anyone who could just use some help stretching their dollar a little further. Um, and what about, what about leaders in general? Um, it, it's funny. A lot of people listen to the show say, you know, I, I don't really consider myself a leader. There's kind of like this weird thing of kind of calling yourself that, but stepping in and solving a problem, no matter how big or how small is leadership. Yeah. Uh, you, you said yes to something that was tugging on your heart. Uh, and there's a, always something, you know, we all have that little thing tugging on our heart, no matter what scale it's on, but we, we hesitate, we stop because of the responsibility of it, the fear, the time, you know, the sacrifice that goes into it. Um, the, the leaders who are listening all over the world right now who have maybe their own thing that's tugging on their heart of something that they've, they're feeling called to do. Why should they say yes to that? I don't really think that it's a selfless act. I think it is really, you can even in a, in a good way, it can be a, selfish act of growth as well because i I truly believe that um in order to be full with yourself you have to be helping others and being open to you know asking for help as well as giving help right i think it's you it's a two-way street i think you have to know where your weaknesses are and ask for help with the people in your life and also if you have a strength like you are in a way kind of denying people that if you're if you're taking a step back and you're living in anxiety and fear you know and i'm I'm as guilty of that as anyone i mean professionally i've plenty of times, you know, like it's, it's a constant lifelong journey. I think of like that narrative of, you know, am I good enough? As you, I think imposter syndrome is a lot for people, um, Oh yeah, you know, and how many friends I have who I see could be brilliant and still take a step back to say like, Oh, it's not my job. Or, you know, there are people who are going to be experts and more suited to do it. And if we all had that attitude, I think we wouldn't get a lot of things done that would really help for the world. Amen. Amen. Uh, Rob, I have one final question for you, but before that, uh, tell us where we can go to find you, where we can donate to this cause, all the things. Sure. You can, the first place you can look is at atlartsrelief.org. That's atlantaartsrelief.org. Um, that'll give you all the information you need for the group. Um, from there, you can get to our Facebook group. If you'd like to volunteer, if you're in the Atlanta area, we need everything from volunteer runners, delivery pickups. Um, we are also picking up uh, food for people who can't go to the grocery store, who aren't allowed to, or just are uh, med- medically ill-advised. Um, so we could always use more help to volunteer. We can also donate at that same page. That's so cool. That's so cool. For our final question, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And also for this incredible initiative, you and all your friends, your team that's sacrificed their time, their energy, their effort, their heart to help other people. You'll never know the ripple effect this is going to have on so many people's lives. And not only from like, you're getting me through the day, but also renewing hope in the artistic life that I can get through this and that I can succeed as an artist, which is so yeah. powerful. Uh, very last question. Let's say we were to go back just a couple of months ago to Rob when he's, you know, like living the dream, traveling and doing his stuff and, you know, uh, had no idea what was about to hit and he had no idea about this money that he was about to raise, this team that he was about to lead and all the things that's happened to you. If you were to go and like sit with him for a moment, say, dude, this one thing. What would you tell him that he did not know back then that you know now? Just be kind and compassionate. Everyone has a struggle that they're going through. And if anything, this has taught me that we do a pretty good job of masking our struggles and people are hesitant to reach out for help, which I think is a noble instinct, but it it, it 
it's a little misguided because uh, there's so much help out there for all of us. And so I would just tell them to be open to taking people for where they're at and while seeing where we could help them get to a better place. Big thank you to Rob for coming on today's episode. Again, that is atlantasrelief.org. And his name's Rob Brookshire. Follow him on social, donate to the cause. And lastly, if you need any support in your unconventional journey, we have the best humans in the world over in our Facebook group, Unconventional Leaders. Type that in your search bar. We'll add you and we'll see you over there. All right, my friends, I will see you in our next episode.